Well, good morning. Good to uh, see you here today. Uh, we are in uh, week five of our series uh, here on the book of Genesis. And so as uh, we continue the, the series this morning, we're going to be in chapter 18 uh, of Genesis. So go ahead and take your Bibles out and you can turn uh, to ja chapter 18, um, basically looking at verses 1 through 15 this morning, um, continuing the story of Abraham and Sarah and the promise that was given uh, to them regarding uh, the birth of their son. And so quickly, let me just uh, get you up to date if uh, you have missed uh, the last uh, five weeks or any parts of that uh, of where we've been so far. First, uh, we talked about the creation of the world and, and then Adam and Eve succumb to temptation and the world gets uh, super crazy. Noah builds a boat. It rains for a long, long time. A boat lands on Mount Ararat and, and civilization starts uh, all over again. Uh, then we come to the story of this guy named Abram who was married to Sarai, and, and Abram was, was about 75 when God came to him and, and said, Abram, uh, I need you to like pack your bags, and you're going to move to a new land. And by the way, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I I'm going to make your name great, and you will be a blessing to everyone. And so that's exactly what Abram does, right? He sets out for the unknown, and eventually he settles in, in the land of Canaan. And then years pass, Abram becomes a wealthy guy, but, but he and Sarai are still childless. One day, God comes to him again. In Genesis 15, verse 1, after these Things The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram says, in effect, my paraphrase here, awesome God, but I still don't have an heir. God says, you will, don't worry. In fact, once you look up in the sky and, and, and look at the stars, see how many they are. Are, and, and that's how many descendants that you're going to have. And it's going to begin with this son, right? Your very own biological son. And the Bible says this in Genesis 15, verse 6, right? This is the verse that I said. If you're going to memorize the verse, this is a good one to memorize, right? And he believed the Lord and accounted to him as righteousness. Right? He, he, was, he, he believed God. He, he was a man of faith. And as somebody said in our life group this last week, he wasn't always, though, a man of wisdom. Right? He, he didn't always know what to do. And so, like, he and, and Sarai decide together that since she couldn't have kids due to her age, we're going to implement plan B for God. And plan B was that Abram would father a child with Sarai's maidservant. So, so 
as if it was going to be, you know, Sarai's son. And I know what you're thinking. Well, like we would look at that situation and we go, yeah, that's not going to go over well, right? That's not going to work very well. But the practice culturally was actually acceptable in Abram's time. And at the end of the day, Abram and Hagar, they have a son together named Ishmael. And that's another whole story that I'm going to not get into right now. And then at about 2067 B.C., give or take a little bit, Abram's about 99 years old. He's going by the name of Abraham. It's another story loop that we're just going to let go for now. Sarah is now Sarah. It's probably been more than a dozen or more years since Abraham received the first promise of an heir. And one day, Abraham's sitting near the entrance of the tent on a hot afternoon, and he's approached by these three men. The author of the book of Genesis tells us right away, one of them is the Lord God in the form uh, of a man. It's called a theophany, and it happened a lot in ancient times, but Abraham, he didn't know who it was, and, and regardless when he did what you do when visitors come, right? He kind of rolls out the proverbial red carpet for him, right? He's like, you guys rest in the shade of this tree and let me bring you some water to wash your feet because that's a big deal back then. And then he gives, uh, he, and then he tells him this, give us some time and we're going to fix dinner for you. And so he does that. They're enjoying this meal at the table and one of them asked, where's your wife, Sarah? And, and Abraham, like, she's in the tent over there. The Bible, at this point, wants to make it very clear that it is God speaking directly to Abraham. And in chapter 18, verse 10, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at, at the tent door behind him. So, so like she's overhearing the conversation, but she doesn't know who's talking. And she's like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Right? And it's impossible because of her age, right? And the Bible says it's verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Like how sarcastic is that? Like, she's not hopeful at all. She's like, yeah, right, that's not going to happen, God. And then God speaks to Abraham again, verse 13. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? It goes on to say, verse 14, uh, is anything too hard uh, for the Lord at the appointed time? I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah has a little bit of an understanding of who the guest is, and, and she gets a little freaked out by that, right? And, and she goes, <laughs> she goes, I didn't laugh. <laughs> Lord says, oh, yeah, yeah, you did, right? So she gets what happens about a year later. Yep, Isaac's born, right? Here comes Isaac. 
The promise that God had made more than a decade before was fulfilled. And Abraham did become the father of a great nation. He's also the patriarch of really the world's three major religions. And it all began with a promise, a promise that was all but forgotten by the time the story takes place, right? Forgotten by everyone except for the one who made the promise. And I think just like Abraham, sometimes we're on the receiving end of some pretty great promises and many of them yet to be fulfilled and so like Abraham we're just kind of going on with our lives and we kind of put the promises on the back burner right we put them on the shelf and we think I guess it's just not going to happen or at least not the way I thought it would or or how I hoped it would I just want to tell you today that God's promises they're true Right? They will be fulfilled in God's perfect timing. So today's story has something to teach us about how to get in step with the promises of God. And how to see them come alive, I think, in our daily lives. Again, three truths about God's promises that I'd love to point out to you from chapter 18. Go ahead and take your note sheets out. You can follow along with me. And if you'll take these truths to heart, I believe that you can begin to live a promise-filled life, all right? Number one this morning is that the promise never changes. God's plan all along was that Abraham and Sarah Sarah would would give birth to a son, right? God God never changed that idea. He never changed his mind. Who changed? Abraham. At first, he believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, but then he softens his stance a little bit. He believed, but it was like a belief with an asterisk. And it looks like this. I'll trust God, but then we'll we'll, we'll implement an alternate plan that that Sarah and Abraham cook up. So, so Abraham wavers, right? And this is not the only time. Last week we saw he tries to pass her off as his sister. Remember that? So obviously not the perfect husband here. And yet, and yet the promise did not change. That's what I want you to see. God's plan was for Abraham to have a son to make him the father of a great nation. And through him bless all nations of the world. <coughs> And so after the Ishmael debacle, and we'll get to that story later, Abraham appears to have settled into life, right, of a wealthy cattleman. But, but the promise is still out there. And so I got to thinking about us and today's Christian, right? <coughs> I think the promise is, are still out there, right? The, the promises of the Christian life, the promise of abundant life, the promise of answered prayer, the promise of peace, the promise of joy, the promise of blessing, the promise of victory and power and freedom, right? And that list goes on and on. And I, ju- and I just think that for many of us, the promises have faded into the night and they've been forgotten. And, and I think that some people kind of think, well, I guess it's my fault, Right? Like like I can't live a promise-filled life because I made all of these mistakes and I made some poor choices and bad decisions in my life. And so we think 
we, we think to ourselves, yeah, I know that the promises are out there, but they're just not for me. Somehow I've been disqualified. I don't have enough faith. I'm not good enough. Right? I'm not holy enough. I want you to know today that the promises have not changed. We may change. We may get off track. But the good news is, is that we can always get back on track, and that's what the message is about today. And the first truth that I, that I want you to understand and to see today is that the promise was the same in Genesis 18 as it was in Genesis 12. And I'm not going to read both chapters for you today. That would take way too long. But I put it there in your notes so you could have it. So you'd go back later and you could check that out. But realize the promise remained consistent even when Abraham wasn't. That leads us to the second truth this morning. Since the promise doesn't change, we need to come clean with whatever is standing in the way of the promise. So what's standing in the way here? Well, it's a pretty big obstacle. It's the fact that biologically it was all but impossible for Sarah to give birth. Look at verse 11 of chapter 18. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. And the way of woman, women had ceased to be with Sarah. Do you know how I know that I'm old? I, I signed up for something last week on my phone. And you know you have to put the date of your birth in when you sign up for stuff? I just scroll for about seven days to get to my year. <laughs> right? So I'm tracking with, with Abraham and Sarah here. Right? Th this means that Sarah was old. She's past menopause. Like, like she's not having a child. But, but her physiology wasn't the only obstacle in the way. I, I also think that it was her attitude, right? Her belief that, as I said earlier, was full of cynicism and sarcasm. And get this, Sarah was not the only one laughing. In chapter 17, we read about another time that God spoke to Abraham and he told him he's going to have a son. And Abraham's response was like, are you kidding me? Look at uh, Genesis 17, 17. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years, old, 90 years old, bear a child? He's like, are you joking? There's no way this is happening. And, and he laughed. And he laughed so hard that he fell down, the text says. So Abraham and Sarah, they're united in this. They don't think that this is going to happen. That's probably a big, bigger obstacle than the physical limitation. So I'm convinced, if you're convinced that something's never going to happen, it's probably not going to happen. And it's not because our thinking is so magical, right? I'm not talking about like thinking things into existence and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about like name it and claim it. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is that when we are not convinced that it's not, that something's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen because we don't take action in that direction. Here's what I'm driving at. For many of us here today, your greatest obstacle in experiencing the fullness of God's promises is not your past. It's not your personality. It's not your financial situation. It's not your family situation. Our greatest obstacle is our reluctance to believe that the promise is yours for the asking and yours for the receiving. 
Like, for example, James says, ask for wisdom, and what does he say? He says, you'll get it. Ask for wisdom, and you'll get it. It's a promise. How many of us ask for wisdom? It's like we laugh at the idea that we could experience fulfillment in your marriage. Or we laugh at the idea that we could have power over sin. Or we laugh at the idea that, that God would bless us with maybe a promotion at work or any other good thing that God has promised his people. And I just think it's interesting that both Abraham and Sarah, in effect, is saying this is out of the question for us. And I also want you to take note that when God confronted Sarah for laughing, she responds, probably like most of us would, and she goes, no, I, I didn't laugh. Talk about denial. And I love God's response, Genesis 18, 15. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And, and he said, no, but you did laugh. And God is saying to her, you need to come clean with your attitude. And here's another point for you to consider. For those who would say, I'm not creating an obstacle or I don't question God's promises. There's nothing that I'm doing to limit God's power in my life. God's probably saying to you, yes, you are, yes, you do, and yes, there is. And you should say, and you say don't, <laughs> okay, I can speak. What we should say and what we should do is put our actions pointed in, in, in the direction of God's promises. But really what happens is I think our actions tell us another story. And sometimes we just need to come clean and confront that head on. All right, that leads us to a third uh, truth that I'd love to highlight today. Uh, after we come clean with all of that happening in our way, uh, thirdly, we need to begin taking action uh, consistent with the promise. Oh, I'll try to say this delicately and discreetly. God had promised them a son. So after the visitors uh, left their home, what do you suppose Abraham and Sarah did that night? Sang. Maybe it hadn't happened in a long time, whatever. But for God's promise to be fulfilled, it was essential that Abraham and Sarah ha had to be together as husband and wife. I know it seems rather obvious, right? But let me tell you something else that's fairly obvious is that our daily actions need to be consistent with the fulfillment of God's promises. And I've talked about where Abraham, or where Abraham, where Abraham <laughs> had kind of missed the mark. Now let's talk about what he did right real quickly, right? So when the guests come to visit, he welcomed them with some pretty awesome hospitality. His arms are open wide, receiving them as if they were brothers, right? It's in Abraham's nature, his custom, to treat others with respect. And so when the, when, when the strangers arrived, Genesis 18, verses 2 through 4, it says, He lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to, to meet them. And bowed himself to the earth and said, O oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let, let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves uh, under the tree. 
And so apparently this happened a short time after the events of Genesis 17, right? In Genesis 17, verse 21, God said Sarah would give birth one year later. At that time, she wasn't pregnant yet. And so this couldn't have been more than, you know, a few months after the events of, uh, of Genesis 17. And so the Lord comes to Abraham in human appearance. And this is another presentation of, of Jesus and, and human form before his incarnation. Um, here among these three men visiting Abraham. And we can assume that this was God in the person of Jesus Christ appearing to Abraham before his incarnation and the birth at Bethlehem. And, and we can do that because God the Father says in, in John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time, only the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, has, he has declared him. And so no one has ever seen God in the person of the Father. Right? You can go to 1 Timothy uh, 6.16 for that as well. Therefore, if God appeared to someone in human appearance in the Old Testament... Since no one's seen God the Father, it makes sense. The appearance is one of the eternal Son, the second person of the Trinity, before the incarnation in Bethlehem. So we don't know if Abraham immediately understood the identity of the visitors. But he did honor the leader of these three as his superior right. He bowed himself uh, to the ground. And so Abraham, with all of his faults... His heart is just bent towards God, which meant that he had a heart of a servant. Here's a principle for you. If you want to position yourself to be on the receiving end of God's blessing, serve others with humility every chance that you get. Right? Like we don't see humility displayed much with our public leaders today. It's not exactly a trait that's treasured, right, at this point. Especially in our society. That's why the scripture says in James 4, 6. Therefore it's, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Drop down to verse 10 of James 4 and we read. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Right? He, he will lift us up. Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And that grace, that unmerited favor always lifts us up. Serving others in humility is an action that we can take consistent with the promises of God. And when Sarah laughed at the idea of God's promise being fulfilled, God asked Abraham why she was laughing. And then he asked a simple question in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? That phrase, is anything too hard for the Lord, can be translated, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too extraordinary for the Lord? The answer, again, is fairly obvious. As the angel said to Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. And today it may seem as though a blessed life, an abundant life, a promise-filled life is as impossible for you as it was for a 90-year-old Sarah to give birth to a son. And to quote Jesus in Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus looked at him and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are what? possible nothing is too difficult for the Lord nothing is impossible with God so let me encourage you today not to let your cynicism and your skepticism and, and the uncertainty of your circumstances get in the way of the life that Jesus has for you the promises of God never change 
we change and we get off track, but we can get back on track as we serve others in humility and put ourselves in a position to be blessed by God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your great love and, and your blessing that, that you give to us in, in our lives. Thank you for that, that your favor has no end, but it lasts for our entire lifetime. So God, would you forgive us this morning for sometimes forgetting that you are intimately acquainted with every detail of our lives. That you know what, what concerns us and that you cover us with a shield. I want to thank you for your grace and your favor this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.